This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio. Um, hello and welcome. I am Chris Hambling. Tonight I'll be hosting an incredibly unprepared extra show uh, as we react to the news that Palace have appointed Frank De Boer as manager. Uh, we had intended to do an end of the season show, but we thought, you know, let's let's just put it off. You know, Sam Allardyce has left. We'll be appointing someone soon enough. Let's try and merge those two shows together. And yeah, now it's a month later, and <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't seem right to be talking about last season in any detail, but. Just to run you through what we'll be talking about today, we'll be talking about the appointment of Frank the Uh We've obviously got a new sponsor and uh, a new away kit as well. We'll be talking about the new home kit, I guess. Uh, we'll have a quick chat about last season, but also our hopes for next season as well. But the main point of focus will be to talk about the appointment of Frank De Boer. Um, I have with me today Mr. Nicholas Gillard. Silence from Nicholas Gillard. You never usually get that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's try someone else as well. Also, Ed Kellaway. Good evening. Good evening, Ed. That's nice, at least someone else is speaking. <laughs> <laughs> We've got DR Kerners. Good evening. Good evening. And we also have Patrick O'Connor. Good afternoon from America. Hey, good stuff. <laughs> um, Hello. And, and Nick, you are there. Yeah, hi. Hi, Nick. <laughs> oh, he's back. Great. Good evening. Oh, you can tell it's a bit of a, a hastily put together show, but interestingly, I was kind of planning this way back on well, it was Friday when when the strong rumours turned to kind of almost it's definite. So let me take you through what I'd planned. Um, uh, what I was going to do was going to record this, but I'm going to do it live instead. And you'll see how far I got. It's, it's impressive. New Palace manager Francisco Stubber. Actually, I'm going to do it. In a, you know how um sort of voiceover guys they do it in a voice and they put strange expressions in. So they sound quite professional. They just sound like voiceover people. But I'm going to try it and see if it sounds more professional. Why, why don't you just do an impression of um, Steve McLaren and we'll be all right, mate? We've got Steve a whole McLaren. we've got a whole season ahead of us for me to do awful impressions of people. Trust me. Okay. You didn't do Sam Allardyce. Yeah, I avoided that one. But there was reasons for that. 
get the feeling he might be a bit litigious. Anyway. <laughs> New Palace manager Franciscus Dobrer, literally translated to English as Frank the Farmer, takes the hot seat as the club's first foreign manager. Well, aside from the caretaker spell of Attilio Lombardo, assisted by head-bandaged sporting Swedish poker player Thomas Brolin. De Burr joins with a managerial record way beyond anything we are used to seeing. Despite being relatively early in his career as a boss, he boasts four successive titles for Ajax, missing out on a fifth on the final day of his last season in charge at the Amsterdam Arena. Much of the focus of Palace fans has been on his unsuccessful 85-day reign at Inter Milan, as well as some of the criticisms that arose during the latter stages of his spell in charge of Ajax. But before I look at that, let's first take a look at Frank De Burr, the player. After all, playing reputation can go a long way when it comes to the respect needed to be a top-class manager dealing with highly paid, ultra-powerful players in the modern game. De Burr... And then that's where I stopped writing. It's good, though, wasn't it? Uh, Brilliant. Yeah. It was all right. It was all right. <laughs> it was all right. Somewhere in there, I was going to weave a joke into that as well, where I was going to say, for those naysayers, and then I was going to do, do the voice, so I go... Frankly, my dear, I don't give e damn. Because, you see... Are you all right today, Chris? Because he's called Frank. <laughs> oh, mate, I only just got him from work. He's called Frank and an e damn's Dutch. Do you get it? That's a good joke. That would have been boring. Oh, okay. You can tell we've had a break, can't you? Yeah, Chris. <laughs> but in all, in all seriousness, I do want to pick up from where I left off there, you know, and, and talk with you guys about how just this is a monumental appointment. You know, there's a, there's a few people who sort of met it with almost indifference or said it's the wrong choice, and I, I don't know. I have to call into question what those whether those people are aware of the reputation of, of Frank de Boer and Chris. You know, first of all, what a player he was. Hmm. Chris, has he played in the Netherlands? <laughs> yes, he's the most capped outfield player for the Netherlands. <laughs> oh, my, my missus has got my missus got a Dutch cap as well. Oh, oh wow! Oh, God. wow. Now, oh, all right, edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Edit it out. This is live. It's <laughs> <laughs> starting to feel like a bad idea. Um, but yeah, no, he is the most capped outfield player for the Netherlands. He's captained uh, two major tournaments. I think it was played alongside some of the you know the best players that Netherlands have had to offer. And and himself is a is a bona fide a world class footballer legend. You know this is this is a massive massive coup for someone like Palace. If you imagine. You know, the, remember the excitement that greeted the appointment of Ian Holloway? And, you know. <laughs> Steve Parrish was saying that that press conference had the, like, the Croydon advertiser there. Yeah, it was And, and Chris, Chris, I saw him play live 1994 World Cup over here versus uh, Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. So it's pretty, you know, it's pretty nice to have someone you've actually seen live who's a great player become your team manager. It's interesting. Remember that, that, go sorry, you remember that fantastic goal that uh, Kuhlman scored against us? Who supplied the ball for that? No, no, it was the Bergkamp goal that you supplied. Yes, yeah, sorry, Bergkamp. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 it was. A, yeah, it was. It was. That was Frank De Boer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he played uh, quite a, a lot of his career as a role we don't really see much of these days. Sweeper. Sweeper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I don't know whether that'll have a resurgence at Palace, but. Um, <laughs> I can remember Eddie McGoldrick playing as a sweeper for Arsenal quite successfully for a while as well, which was weird. But, um, yeah. Is he I mean, around the same time as Edgar Davids? Um, they almost yeah, certainly. They yes. Yeah, he played with, he played, yes, he did. Towards the end of Davids' career, really, because he was more uh, like post uh, Rude Hoolet, Van Best, and those guys. 
you yeah, he kind of, of a little bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, he played with all of those legends sort of right at the end, didn't he? Because right. I mean, he must have been what I think probably eighty nine. I guess he would have started probably. I've, I've got it on Wikipedia somewhere, but I'm not looking at so, my notes. So you're saying that they played against Davids while he was at Palace? That, I thought that was the end of his career, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, you're right. But um, but Sabur was, you know, this this is a player who played you know a long long career at Ajax, and I think it was about twenty seven, twenty eight. He actually moved to Barcelona and had a very successful spell there, you know, and then sort of played at a few clubs here and there, played a, a season at Rangers because his, his twin brother Ronald had been there for a few seasons, played one season there and finished his career in, in the Middle East. But uh, and then went, went on to, to coaching career um, in the, through the youth ranks. So he, he did his, his sort of coaching career the way I kind of think managers should do it. They take on you know, something at youth level, learn a little bit about that, just develop their philosophy, if you like. And we'll be, I'll be talking a lot about the philosophy in a short while, but I think probably the best thing I could do now is just get an initial reaction from the guys. And, and I will start with you, Patrick, because you, you know, you're, you're someone who's seen Frank DeVore play. Uh, when you saw us linked with him, what was your initial thought? And now he is our manager. How, how are you feeling? Initially, I, I didn't believe it. I didn't think we'd be able to get a manager of the quality of Frank De Boer to come to Palace. I'm not like the naysayers who think he's a great appointment. Again, you, you mentioned, Chris, about his uh, CV, you know, the four uh, Dutch championship for Ajax, you know, played for Barcelona, a most cap outfield player, played for Barcelona, played for Rangers. I mean, he's, he's, he's a quality manager. And uh, initially, you know, I was one of the people who kind of liked Pellegrino a little bit more because of a little bit I heard about Pellegrino, but I've actually never really seen Pellegrino manage. I've, I've actually watched Ajax play, you know, those teams that won the championship. But he's, he's a quality manager. Like, he plays a 4-3-3, and it's, it's great that, you know, again, uh, if you look at uh, CVs for p- previous past managers, you won't get anybody close to what the board's accomplished as a player or a manager. I think it's been a, I think it's a really forward-thinking appointment. I think it's uh, something we're going to all look back on as being, you know, changing the way that Palace are looked on in the future. Well, yeah, exactly. We we do. I mean, we've already we've seen huge media attention. Um, yep. Yep. To, to the appointment, but I think again, and there's a lot of excitement around what's being talked about in terms of philosophy, and we'll talk about the, the pros and cons of trying to do something like that in, in a little while. But uh, Nick, you next. Just get your your initial reaction. Yeah, I'm, I'm very very pleased because if you look at each manager, they seem to be getting better and better. Um, and De Boer, surely a name like that will attract players. And if he wants to build from a youth setup, which is what we've done in the past, in the particularly in the Venables era when you know they they came through um, and did well, with the same sort of thing. Yeah, and and, and certainly there will be a, a lot less doubt in people's minds if players, you know, if, if the youth team isn't played, you know, whether whether they're good enough, because he's stated already if a, if a young player's good enough, they'll play, um, and it's. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see. You know, I really hope we get him for for at least the three years, and he gets a chance to build something um, and, and really sort of make an impact. Dio, you're someone who obviously won't remember De Boer as a player, or probably half of his spell as a manager. But what was your reaction um, when when you're looking at the candidates? The ones that were standing out for me was Pellegrino and De Boer. And if you look at it, Pellegrino. With Alves, he done a great job, and De Boer, he also done a great job as well. So it was very hard between both of them. So I was like, if it's Pellegrino, I'll be happy. If it's De Boer, I'll be happy. And with De Boer, if when I actually research about him and what he's done as a manager and as a player, I'm a bit more excited about it because 
he looks into the youth. He's made an Ajax team that hasn't won in seven years, made them win four times in a row championships. And this is a manager that has actually won something. So we like you can see that we're actually progressing as a club. So it's exciting times ahead. I want to see what you could bring to Crystal Palace in the Premier League. Absolutely right. And, uh, and Ed, straight on to you, your, your views. Yeah, I mean, to get a guy with the sort of playing, the sort of level of quality that he played at winning titles and Champions Leagues or European Cups as they were in those days is at Palace is like you say when a few years ago we had people like Holloway being unveiled as the new manager in front of about three people in a half empty room it's just brilliant I think it's very exciting I think the previous managers Parrish has had to employ have been very sort of specific sort of short term to do a job almost with you know where we've been uh, sort of stuck halfway through a season it's been obvious choices going to people like Pulis and Allardyce I think this is very much uh, an appointment for the future which is exciting to see if he can build something that's a really good they've, point it's an interesting statement go on Nick sorry they've, they've, really, they've had a chance to take their time and I know Twitter's gone mad because of it been forced into rushing a move and it was great that I, I can I just say a little bit about Allardyce that um won't yeah, be yeah, yeah. a good team to have the last season with because um, he'd, he'd like to stay stay with us but he just got a reality check and thought I've got this money why why put up with all the um, nonsense of football I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life no, it, was, it, was def- it was definitely interesting to hear Steve Parrish mention in the press conference today that they always felt that Allardyce would kind of review what he was going to do at the end of the season anyway which which was kind of something we, we talked about uh, while Allardyce was was appointed, as to how whether it was, even though it was a couple of years on his contract, whether or not he'd even be, be there the next season. And as it turned out, he wasn't. But yeah, certainly I think he he won over a lot of people, did a great job. And 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 as you, you you're saying, both both yourself and Ed, really that this is a, you know, this is an incredible sort of statement. Once we've been given the time to to think about it, as to where we want to be as a football club, how do we change the kind of the sort of DNA that, that we've been used to of Crystal Palace, which is a team that doesn't spend that long in the top division. And, and well, sort of we, we are established it. now. We're, we don't yo-yo anymore. We haven't yo-yoed well, for five years. It's, we're in the longest period ever, but, you know, the last two seasons, and, and again, Parrish said that himself, essentially the last two seasons we've seen us fail to match the ambition that the board had, which was to progress. Um, we've progressed in terms of, our, I think, our first team lineup if you like but actually progressing to to avoid worrying about relegation we're not there yet and, and you know i dare say we might not be there next season but hopefully we, we're now in a position where we put something in place that will enable us to kind of break the mold of palace a little bit i think um and i, I really do want to talk about some uh, some of the sort of tactical philosophies that i've i've been reading up on but just to get uh, people a little bit more excited as well some of the players and i'm taking this from an article in the independent that was written uh, last Friday, let's give the credits to the person who wrote it. It was uh, Jack Pittbrook, who's uh, at Jack Pittbrook on Twitter, and he talked about the fact that uh, you know, De Boer was the best manager we could have gone gone for. And he and he's talked about the players that he brought through under him at Ajax. So here's the list: it's Jan Vertonghen, Vernon Anita, Christian Eriksen, Toby Alderweireld, Sim de Jong, Daly Blind, Jasper Skilson, and Arcadius Milik. Uh, and also, he's talking about the fact that just just this summer, uh, Ericsson's replacement, David Klassen, 
um, joined Everton for 26 million. So this is this is a man who not only you know knows how to develop a philosophy and run a football club and and have success, but also to develop players. And I think that's something we really do want to see. Um, and I'll take I'll take uh, your view on that, Patrick, in terms of player development. Uh, is this is this as important to you as maybe the results on the pitch? Yeah, you you know I feel because I've 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 mentioned several times that it's frustrating. We've been in the Premier League now for four straight years and not one youth player has gotten a chance to come through. Wolf being the mainstay, Johnny Williams being hurt all the time, and people say, well, if they if they, if they were good enough, they'd be playing. But I don't think they've ever really gotten the chance. You don't know if players can play. You give them a chance to play. Don't tell me you don't you see him in training. You get a guy out on the pitch a few matches, you know, some cup games, whatever, or some. Um, unimportant league games. You get to see if they can actually play. And I heard what he said, and I like what he said. I know his philosophy is, but I won't. I won't buy that until I see it because I've heard, I, I, I've heard that from other managers before. I heard it from Holloway a bit. I heard it from Pardew. I heard it from Pulis. I heard it from Allardyce, and none of those guys played anybody. So yeah, again, it's in his, it's in his football DNA, Patrick. That's what gives me a bit of hope. Well, again, but if we talk about the Dutch DNA, which we let's be honest, is a lot be- better and better than English DNA. So, listen, I'm not going to listen. I- I'm all for us playing youth players, and I hope it happens. Look at it. look at England now. The 21s are doing great. Under 20s yeah. doing well, better. So there is uh, some hope there, and I understand what you say, Nick, about his DNA. And I really hope that he he says what he means and means what he says. But I'll only believe that when I actually see it. But again. Uh, I actually I love the appointment. I, I think it's it's a it's really good for the club. I hope he's here for the long term. Like Chris said, three plus years, and I think that you know initially it's a it's a fantastic move. And let's hope that we do get to see our young players come through. Indeed. So I'm going to ask you this question, Ed. We, we've heard a change of philosophies on the way. Um, you know, I'm sure it'll be gradual and it'll be it'll be planned and well thought out. But given the the danger we saw of of Alan Pardew trying to change the way we played to try and distribute out from the back and increase possession. Do you have any fear of the fact we brought in De Berta to play a certain way? And he's he's used to a, a system at Ajax and, and indeed Barcelona. And I, and I promise I'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, first of all, do you have any kind of fear over this, this change? Uh, I mean, there always is that slight concern because, yeah, we tried it last year with Pardew, said he, you know, we wanted to play a certain, slightly more attacking way of, you know, possession football. And obviously we know how that worked out for us, but, I think it was sort of, I think one of the reporters in the press conference today asked a similar sort of question to them. And what De Boer said is, you know, yeah, I do like to play a, a more, he calls it, dominant way of playing football with and without the ball. But he said we've got to also not be naive, which is what we were a lot of the time under Pardew. You know, I don't think we're going to go to, you know, the Emirates or the Etihad and try and high press them and play him off the pitch because we're, we're not going to be able to. We've got to accept that. But uh, I think at home a lot of the time and especially against home, the, the bottom 14 sides at home, we will certainly look to play a more you know, possession, pressing, expansive way of football. But I think he's just he's going to be more tactically astute than Pardew. And Pardew never really had more anything other than a, a plan A. He said in his press conference today, the ball about have, having a couple of different ways of playing that's something we never had under Pardew. It was just that plan A, let's just keep playing that way. And when it doesn't work, we'll just keep doing the same. But I think it's a different, he'll have a, he's going to play a different and more expansive way, but it's depending on your opposition and where you're playing. I think he's got the tactical sort of now to set team, set the team up differently, depending on the opposition, whether you're home or in a way, et cetera. 
Yeah, sure. Pa- uh, Patrick's used the me system, Nick, so he gets to talk before you. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Ed makes some great points. And three quick things, Chris. Um, one is the 4-3-3 that he plays is perfectly suited for OE play because we've got, we got Zaha and Townsend. So he likes to play with flying wingers. So that's perfect for us. Um, as Ed mentioned, that, that pressing style that I think um, we should be careful about is where the Premier League is going. Look how Tottenham plays. Look how Liverpool play. You've got to play a certain type of a high press to get the ball back quickly. Otherwise, you're going to be... Uh, you know, be dead. So I, I really like those two things. And the third thing is, he's really he was a he's a, he was a defender, and we all know how much we suffered the last few years in defensively. So I think having him come in and implement maybe a better defensive uh, way of playing is going to help us a lot. So those three things, I think, you know, the four three three, him being defensive coach, and also you know, those things I think are really going to help us, you know, and, and make us a better team going forward. And again, I'm a little worried about transitioning too much, but I think you know. We do it slowly, and as Ed said, use a plan B when we need it. We'll be fine. Great stuff. Uh, Nick, did you want to add to that, or can I ask Dior a question? No. Well, no, I was just going to say, is, <sighs> you, you've got the whole Milo Jedinak and Pardew thing and losing the dressing room, and it's the way he's going to be able to communicate with the players. I think that's that's going to be the thing, and he's actually proven good enough to win leagues. Pardew, all due respect, he hadn't really done a lot, had he? No, no. This is a bloke who's a winner. We've got, we've actually got, we've got blokes who can get us out of blokes. We've got, we've got managers who can get us out of uh, relegation now, you know. And I hate to say the, the whole um, Charlton getting rid of Kerbishley thing, but they wanted to go to the next level, and and De Boer is definitely aiming to get that way. Um, I've got some stuff in chat later. If it's come back, oh yeah, after yeah, the sure. I didn't realise the uh, the chat room was going because we haven't really introduced any of it. But hlradio.net forward slash chat to uh, to join the fun there, and you can also tweet at hl uh, uh, at hl radio. I forgot what we're called. Um, if you do want to get in touch and say anything today, uh, like Edward Porter did earlier to say welcome back. Thanks, Ed. Cheers, mate. Much uh, much appreciated. A little rusty. Um, so, Dr. I do have a question for you, and it relates a little bit to the same topic we've just been discussing, but more to do with the squad. Does De Boer have this? Well, how much work does he have to do with this squad to play a more possession-based game, or, or to dominate the game more with and without the ball? See, that's a brilliant question. With even when we do play with possession, we have to look at the likes of Benteke. Is he going to suit to the possession style football? Because when he was in Liverpool, they did try to play all this possession, all this fancy try, uh, football, but it didn't work for him, and that's the reason why he came to us. And on the Big Sam, when we didn't play possession and we played a different kind of way, that's when we took. Uh, that's when Benteke starts scoring goals, and that's one player that I'm like suspicious about with Frank De Boer. I don't think he's going to be able to make uh, use of Benteke. And for, and we have to also look at uh, defence. Uh, Joel Ward, I don't think he's technically up for it anymore. I think he's done. I think we need to buy someone else. If we're going to start uh, from the back, we need to buy players that could pass from the back instead of being up like Damo. Um, other than that, I think our midfield is strong. Uh, we've got uh, Milovojevic and we've got Kabai who are great footballers and they can pass the ball about uh, well we saw it last season but it's just uh, Benteke and the right back and possibly the centre back situation where I think we need to go for Sacco for us to <laughs> play the style of football because as we saw last season he was just so confident on the ball and if we're going to play like this he's the perfect fit for us so yeah it'll be interesting what we do with the defence and what we do with Benteke It's a really really good answer you're absolutely right but uh, for me what worries me the most and, and this kind of really harks back to this season is 
even if you improve that first 11, you know, you, you don't get that first 11 available all season. Uh, and it's really what the players who, who don't, who won't start the season in the team. It's really whether or not they can cope with, with that transition as well. And I hate the word transition because it got a really bad name uh, under Pardew for, for overuse in terms of an excuse. But we'll, we'll see um, how that goes for the rest of the season. All right. I, I just want to talk a little bit about, um, uh, formation as well but I'll do that after you give me a summary of what's in the chat Nick or do you sort of sit there and silence? <laughs> oh this new microphone with a new mute button anyway there <laughs> we go um, I asked the question can we change our philosophy under um, Frank De Boer and uh, Sprout says gradually I don't think it will change too quickly otherwise we risk what happened last year but I do think we're stronger going into this season than last but he needs to see how well we played at the end of last year. Let's see if we can get a new centre-back in to try and keep that going. Um, Moore is a bit um, glass half empty on uh, the appointment. Um, because someone's a great player doesn't mean they're a great manager. Thought he was going to get the Rangers job. Uh, um, and had in there you've set up. And because of the way their league is, it can give them a chance over there. It's probably too much pressure in the Premier League to, to blood the players and um, I think got a point there yeah indeed uh, Dio you want to jump in quick and then Patrick with, the, with this um, football where I'm going back to part of you how we tried to play uh, all this dominant football and it didn't work we have to realise that Pardew is it was his last resort we didn't actually have time uh, in preseason to practice this he tried all types of things and it just didn't work and we have to realize that Frank De Boer has actually played this football and he has won stuff with this football which Pardew hasn't done so I don't think we should be all that worried about playing fancy and how it didn't work under Pardew because when you're looking at managers we're looking at Pardew and Frank De Boer Frank De Boer has won things with it whereas Pardew hasn't won so we need to look at it that way as well yeah, fair comment and every reason to be positive Patrick yeah um the comment the the, the person made about great players that make great managers. The Boers won four titles in Holland. He's also been the assistant manager of Holland and they got to the World Cup final. So he can't do much more than that as a great player and, a, and as a manager, really, this young in his career. So I have no problem with his CV again as far as transitioning from a great player to a great manager. He's proven he's a good manager. Yeah. Throw into out because Inter was a one-off. You know how Italian football can sometimes be. So I don't think to say that he's not, he hasn't proven himself as the manager. To me, it's not fair. Maybe not in this league yet, I agree, but not not overall. Yeah, we're not going to have time to do it, but I was going to get Alex Penge on the show, who's a, a real student of, of European football, particularly yeah. Italian football, because he is he's half Italian. Um, and, he, and he was going to give us a bit of an insight into, into sort of the Inter Milan thing. But you can actually, if you just Google... Um, Frank De Boer into Milan, you'll probably find a series of articles on, on the situation he found himself in there. And it's important not to read too much, but also, it's, you know, he did fail there. It's, you know, you have to acknowledge that it was a failure. It might not have been down to him, or at least not entirely down to him. But I quite like that because it's it, it made him hungry for a new job. He was, you know, really keen and desperate by all accounts to get the Palace job. You know, he, he did an awful lot of research into the into the squad before he was even spoken to. And, and to have someone of that calibre be that keen really does help, I have to say. And um, I do think that, I, I don't know, perhaps it, it's easy to kind of get carried away with negativity. Uh, and people did do that because there was nothing else to talk about. You know, the football's dead for the summer. <laughs> you know, and, and you've just, you, all you're doing is sitting there waiting for the new manager to be announced. You know, we're all the same. You know, every single one of us 
you know, talking today on on, the, on this show was the same. You know, whether we'd admit it openly or not, that every day it went on, we were just, oh my god, come on, just do something. You know, <laughs> just announce something so we can all go on with our lives. You know, and then today we just got everything announced at once. It was so slow though, wasn't it? Because they they only released the home kit. <laughs> weeks yeah. before the away kit which yeah, i like not, yeah i mean and, and we're not you know we weren't the slowest club i don't think to release kits even in premier league let alone sort of worldwide so it's just if things weren't done how we used to them being done <laughs> and i think people people like the familiarity of everything happening in the same way we didn't have a sort of end of year um do where the kits are usually sort of you know yeah. paraded up the stage and all that kind of stuff so can yeah, people you, can be you... out of their comfort zone can you say the um, new sponsor's name in a South African accent for me, please? Absolutely not. But uh, we'll talk about the new sponsor in a little bit. I do want to quick mention David uh, Cheeseman, at Cheesy Palace, which I enjoy the Twitter handle, uh, got in touch and just asked to ask the question, can we keep hold of Kabai now that De Boer is the manager? And, you know, I'll be honest, I was expecting, potentially still expecting Kabai to, to leave the club this summer. But there was a moment last season, and I'm sure everyone had the same feeling, who, who sort of kind of doubted when, whether Kabai would be uh, whether Kabai would be sort of at the club for any sort of long period, and that was when he scored against Arsenal, and almost you could the, the look on his face was like he was about to kind of combust <laughs> with, with the goal that he scored, and, and that, you know, and, he, and it wasn't straight away either. He sort of ran over to the Homesdale celebrating, and it was it was kind of the continuation of the celebration where he just he kind of you know it was like he was. And it's sort of an incendiary device burning up. It was, it was incredible to watch, really. And I, and you know, grabbing the shirt and all that kind of stuff. And again, you kind of read too much into it because I, you know, when we was talking to Steve Parrish at the end of the season, I was saying Aslam Allardyce looks like he's really got the Palace bargain. We were all talking about it, and about about a week later he leaves. So you can read too much into moments of emotion, I guess. But uh, but yeah, but, when he walked, when he walked off that last home game as well, it. Um... The applause. He was subbed in the last game, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. And that that seemed like a goodbye clap, but I don't know whether it was an end of season goodbye clap or a <laughs> goodbye goodbye clap. And Chris, I will say um, the board signing would definitely help us in keeping goodbye as opposed to not helping. So that's a, I think that's a very strong positive sign. There's no reason why he'd want to necessarily leave now um, if he hasn't already left. You know what I mean? So, I mean, players like that might have left before, you know, no man to let me get out of here. He's still here. So I think having the ball is definitely positive for keeping goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to go back on uh, something that was said earlier on as well about great players not making great managers, that, that's why I kind of brought up the the way he's gone about his, his coaching career. And this is why I think we can legitimately say he, he's proven himself to a degree to be, to be at least a, a very, very good coach. And that is that he didn't walk straight into a job. You, you kind of look at someone like Ryan Giggs, who walked into the managerial job at, at Old Trafford. Only for, okay for a caretaker spell, if you like, but you know he hadn't done anything to, to kind of deserve that position. And, and you, again, some players, you know, there's great players in the past that have done that and, and walked into jobs and been successful. I mean, you know, you can't argue with say Zinedine Zidane walking into the the Real Madrid job. You know, he hadn't really proved anything as a coach, but. He was a legend at that club and, and got the role. So, you know, you can read too much into stuff. And I, I see you got a comment there, Nick, along those lines from a roller coaster in the chat. Yeah, uh, wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Roller coaster has said, sure, Deboer. Oh, poem. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sure, Dubois, Swedish chef. Sure, Dubois was a great player and is an excellent manager. Just struggle to see how his ideas fit with us. I hope he doesn't lose patience with us. If he does, it could just be the start of something great. That's interesting. He's almost saying that the Palace players won't be good enough to fit his system. I'm not sure. Surely he coaches them. Yeah, well, that's where it it gets interesting. I'm going to try to, this next bit, I want to talk a little bit about tactics. I'm going to try to moderate myself from talking sort of full on for an hour without interruption because I got very enthusiastic um, in my own head about this if that is such a thing and um, I'll start by, by some of you might have seen it some of you might not have done but there was a really good video that sort of went around on Twitter not that long ago of Thierry Henry talking to Jamie Carragher about the tactics at Barcelona um, and just taking him through what, what Pep Guardiola insisted of the players and that was essentially, and that's that system that he was describing, is the same system that, that Ajax use, um, and it's the same system that's been in place at Barcelona, you know, certainly while um, De Boer was playing there, and it's it's been there, sort of forever, really. And that system, do you know, do you know why, Chris? Johan Cruyff, Johan Cruyff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Maybe. the he's the he's the one that ties it all in. Absolutely right. And um, so it, the the basic philosophy is. The two-thirds of the pitch from the, from your goal line upwards is the responsibility of the manager. And the manager will tell you where you're where you are to be um, and how you are, you know, how you are to play the opposition. And the, the final third, it's up to you, you know. Um, but everything about that position that you're in is set up for you to be able to do the best you can do in that final third. So uh, the example Henri was using it was of himself. Um, he was asked to play in the, the first two-thirds of the pitch as effectively a left winger. And uh, he said in about his second or third game, he crossed over to the right-hand side because he wanted to go and play with Messi for a while. And, you know, he didn't care that people were shouting at him from the bench and all this kind of stuff. And he had a really you know good exchange with Messi and, and they scored a goal. Went in, went in at half-time, 1-0 up, and Guardiola substituted him. <laughs> just just took him straight off at half time because he wasn't doing the job he was asked to do. Um, and the philosophy is about trusting in the ability of your teammates that they will find you if you're in the position that you're supposed to be in. And that kind of I've always thought that about you know the best teams in the for, for Palace. I whenever as long as I've watched Palace, it's been just people struggling to find space and time on the ball and all this kind of stuff and. I've always wanted to watch a Palace team that had the confidence 
to trust each other. And we've had glimpses of that, you know, when we've seen the likes of Lombardo. And, and to some degree, goodbye, you know, the fact that he'll receive the ball wherever he is on the pitch and, and you know, and he won't panic. He will know exactly what he's going to do with it. It's just the, other, the others have got to be up, up with that. And I really like it as a philosophy, the whole kind of, you know, responsibility for, you know, for the defending and, and the build-up and the system and the game plan goes with the manager up until that final third. And I love how that might fit in with us because we have got a dangerous, dangerous attack. And if you give free reign to our attacking three and potentially a four, if you take, say, punching in from a sort of central midfield position or Kabai at certain times as it was last season, that really does appeal to me. So where people talk about the system not fitting, I kind of look at that and I think that system would fit. We've just got to have the players with the ability to do the messy stuff in the, in the first two thirds. Nick? Well, didn't Allardyce say those first eight weeks were the players getting used to doing what he wanted them to do? So they yeah. were really, really, um, you know, and, and they got a good old bollocking if they didn't, sorry, before nine o'clock. Um, but yeah, so that, I think they're used to playing in a system they're told to play in is how much they understand that system and whether there's a language barrier to not get that through and to hear DR say earlier about Sammy not sure how long Nick's oh what's his face oh there he is hello Nick oh yes hello sorry about that your Wi-Fi shit again um yes some things never change never change I'm going to bring Ed in Ed you've been reasonably quiet and it's not my fault at all Uh, I was saying stuff about tactics what did you think about them (laughs) Uh, I think you got a point I think we're not a million miles off having the players that can, can play that way under the right coach. If you, I mean, some of our back four would concern me. And if we're going to sort of try and play out from the back a bit, I think centre backs, if we sign Sacco, we've seen that he can do it with the other centre backs at the club, Scott Dan, you know, Delaney, I'm not sure how comfortable on the ball. I get a bit nervous if we were sort of playing it around the back with some of them. Joel Ward, I think it's probably time time's come to upgrade you know I'd like to see Saka and probably another centre back and a right back come in Van Aanholt's fairly comfortable on the ball and then you know going into midfield Lucas showed that he's pretty accomplished on the ball you know he doesn't sort of panic and he can sort of spray those passes around and then you you're going into the likes of Punch, Townsend, Zaha you know our sort of players going forward that are you know very comfortable on the ball and very dangerous so I think under De Boer, we we're not a million miles off having the personnel to be able to play that way. So with a couple of sort of reasonable signings and potentially he'll have some sort of younger players in Europe that he knows of that he can bring in. Uh, I don't think it's, we're a million miles off being able to play that way for sure. And I think let's let this is the last little bit of De Boer, uh, barring a few comments and, and sort of back references and stuff as we as we close out the show in the next twenty minutes or so. Um, the Premier League itself, he's not managed in the Premier League. He's not played in the Premier League. And, and DR, you just wanted to make a point. Are you going to cut me off to make that point? Or no, no, just go, ahead, just go ahead and I'll say it after. I want to see what you say as well. All right, that's all right. That's good. We probably should have worked, worked out how to not have that conversation on air. <laughs> never mind, eh? It's my fault. I did it. <laughs> so, uh, but obviously, Debert, you know, he's got no Premier League experience. And everyone talks about... You know, it, whether whether it's the best league in the world, it's certainly not the most technical league in the world for 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 a sure. But it's it's certainly the most high paced, high octane, and physical um, top division in, in in probably in the world. In in my in my view, I'm sure someone 
would probably find an argument there. So is that is that a danger? And I, I, you know, I'll start with you, Dr. You know, you've you know you've you've watched European football, and it is a different game. You know, can is is there a danger that De Boer could be surprised by the Premier League? Is there any way you can kind of research it, or do you just have to experience it? Well, look, we've got a great example. Pep Guardiola, he's come to uh, City and last season we saw that they struggled. He tried to play dominant football just like he did at Barcelona and like he did at Bayern Munich. And De Boer is, using, is going to use that approach. So one thing De Boer has to do is in, in this preseason is make sure the players understand the second plan. Because if they don't understand the second plan, so let's say it doesn't work of them passing around, we're going to be in deep trouble. Man City have great players. They have Aguero, they have Sterling. And with them players, they struggle to do it because teams knew what they're going to do. And Pep Guardiola was stubborn last season. So one thing the ball has to make sure that he has to do in this preseason is implement into the brains of these players that uh, the second plan. Because if he doesn't do that, I honestly don't see him being successful. That's um that's that's a very good point there, and it's a it's a good example. Uh, you know, you could you can fall back on other examples, of course, of of managers who've come in, not known the Premier League and, and been very very successful. And you know, and Pochettino in, in, in particular, you know, everyone everyone absolutely had a fit when they set Nigel Adkins for him. Can you imagine that now at Southampton? They, you know, you've got a choice between manager of Nigel Adkins and Mauricio Pochettino. It sounds ludicrous now, but back then it, it was a really that, that, big thing. That's what worries me about um, this us being a step-up club because you know Pochettino used Southampton in the same way. So, you know, are we, are we just going to be a leg up to to one of the big five or whatever they are this day? Well, they did ask that in the, in the press conference, incredibly, and which I thought was pretty rude. <laughs> Parish looked really annoyed when they asked that. Yeah, he, um, right, you so. know. I think De Boer did the sort of ducked it pretty well and, and talked about you know I've got a three-year contract I'm here for three years you know I want to build something which is which is what you want to hear but yeah it's, it's a bit disrespectful of not you know of Palace and, and again I suppose maybe there are some out in there out there who just simply view it as ridiculous that someone of Frank De Boer's reputation has joined Palace you know maybe maybe that's the case I don't know it's just it strikes me as odd uh, that they would even sort of broach the subjects in a uh, in a press conference. Chris, mm. one thing I like to liken um, the board signing to is the one of Michael Lauder when he went to Swansea City. He had no Premier League experience. He came from, um, I believe, it was Mallorca, and look what he did with Swansea. They changed the way that they played a little bit, played a very attractive football, and then winning the League Cup, and then winning the Premier League. So I think. The more I think about it, um, Laudrup and De Boer have quite similar backgrounds. And I think that, you know, the success that De Boer had, I mean, Laudrup had, I would take that at Palace uh, in a heartbeat. That's a, that's a really good point. And it kind of leads me on to something that I, I forgot to mention at the top of the show when we were talking about the sort of managerial options. And it is clear we considered a few. You know, I don't think we ever spoke to Dyche, but I'm sure he was he was under consideration. But Pellegrino was obviously the one that was was strongly rumoured for quite a, a period of time before uh, he went to Southampton. And and before I've seen so many people go, how oh, can Southampton manage to appoint a manager in a week? Southampton knew they were sacking Claude Perel <laughs> while they were still playing last season. Yeah, they'd made that decision a long, long time ago. So they took a lot longer than we did to get someone in place. They were just they were too scared to sack him <laughs> for, for, for quite some time. But um, you know they. You know, we had a totally different situation of a manager saying he was going to walk, of deciding to walk 
that's different to sacking a manager. We wouldn't have sacked a manager if we weren't prepared to replace him quickly. So, you know, you really can't compare those two situations. But uh, that aside, you know, Pellegrino has a really good reputation based on, you know, his limited managerial career. You know, he hasn't done a huge amount. He's had, again, he's done it probably the right way of having spells as a, as a coach and an assistant here and there before he's taken on the main jobs. And, and obviously everyone talks about the spell at Alaves, but for all these people who were so keen to get Pellegrino in, and I suppose at times I, I was one of them, we don't know a thing about him, really. We, we don't know how, none of, there's probably a handful of people who follow Palace that knew, that watched Alaves for any, the kind of length of time you'd need to watch them to have any clue what the manager's philosophy is and how he organises his team and how he motivates and all that kind of stuff. You know, and probably a lot of us are in the same boat with De Boer as a manager, in that we haven't seen enough games that he's managed to make any judgments. We just have to look at statistics. But the kind of level of passion and sort of vitriol at times that I've seen is is very odd, very very odd. Uh, when you're talking essentially about two managers that you know, you know little about in managerial terms. Strange times we're living in, Chris. <laughs> they are indeed, Nick. We should do a podcast called that. <laughs> But you know what, Chris, I think a lot of the Pellegrino linking was the whole Sammy Lee thing. Remember, Pellegrino played at Liverpool, so knew Sammy Lee. People were saying, well, if he comes, we keep it Sammy Lee. So I think a lot of... Earlier, if Lee stays with um, the Boer, well, we've won. We've won out big time. But you were saying he, that, that is, he is staying, DR. You read that somewhere? Yeah, it's been reported. I saw it on social media that um, he's he's going to stay. Apparently, his agent spoke to uh, Frank De Paul and that um, he wants to keep Sammy Lee, and that is that is great. But but then again, now thinking about it, if you actually properly think about it, Sammy Lee is like having Sam Adidas at the club, and <laughs> Sam Adidas is football, and Frank De Paul's football. It doesn't go well. So it'll be interesting how they actually work together. Um, yep. I think in defensive, defensive wise, Sammy Lee could could help a, help a lot, but I'm not sure if Sammy Lee's going to agree with Frank De Boer's approach. To... Well, you know, Sammy Lee's a very very experienced assistant manager. You know, he's not he's not worked with it's not just been Allardyce he's worked with over over the years. He's worked with a number of different managers. England, uh, yeah, England, and uh, Benitez in particular. You know, a very very continental style he plays. Yeah, I'm I'm sure Lee can 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 adapt to that. Um, and, and, you know, he knows, and he knows the Premier League inside out. He yeah, must do. That, that's key. Very big. Yep. Good point. And, um, and Ed, I mean, you know, the, the impact that Lee made last season was just as important as, as um, Sam Allardyce, wasn't it? Because you, you had the players talking, particularly Townsend, talking about you know, Lee getting inside their head. Yeah, I think as much as he may bring tactically, he's a motivator as anything else from what you see. It was quite often him out on the touchline, geeing players up, little one-to-one chats with him in the warm-up, stuff like that. And from that interview Townsend did about, you know, Sammy Lee came and had a sort of a frank chat with him, how he performed differently when he was away with England to how he was with when he was back at his club and how he was training. It's just those little things sort of day-to-day that makes a difference to players at a club. So if that's, if that's true that he is staying on, that's a, that's a, like Patrick said, that's a big win for us, I think. And I'm not too concerned about whether they get on because you know, it's not like he's just only ever worked for Allardyce and followed Allardyce around his whole career. Like you say, he's worked for lots of different managers, foreign managers, English managers, you know. And so I'm not too concerned that you know they won't get on or Sammy Lee, you know, won't 
the proof of the way De Boer wants to play. He's a professional and he's you know, he's going to do a job and it's a big plus for the football club if he's staying on. Nick, did you have a point to make? Because you've gone quiet again. Probably the mute button, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's like Hello. a lottery sort of trying to talk to Nick. Hi, hi, Nick. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Yourself? Well, I'm doing a, uh, yeah. doing a radio show at the moment. What about you? Yeah, I've... I've... <laughs> I was just looking at the BBC website that um, Frank De Boer says he exci- is he excited to join a club that spend a lot of money in inverted commas. Would you like to see him buy, Chris? Oh my word! Well, I don't think he's going to have a lot of money to spend because we did that last <laughs> did that last season. Exactly. Uh, although, you know, maybe we can try and get fifteen million pound for Jordan Much or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, I think really, again, we go back to when back end of last season where we were speaking to uh, Sasha Churchich, um, where he identified keeper and right back. And I'm still in that place myself. Uh, I want to see a keeper and a right back. Um, obviously, I want to see a centre back. And, you know, striker depends on, on how Connor Wickham comes back. Because um, he was looking really good before his injury. And if he comes back, that same player. But again, you kind of, you kind of, you want to see a different type of striker up there as well um, as a different option from well yeah we've been linked with him yeah yeah and obviously Steve Parrish's only yeah. comment was well, I know him he scored against us today which was uh, which I enjoyed but um, <laughs> I was all the time I was yeah. speaking I was speaking to Mr Holyoke today he oh, says yeah. hello to everybody all the listeners out there in uh, whole radio land and he reckons that we be um, good idea if we got um, What's his face from Liverpool on loan for the season again? Sacco? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. The thing, the thing with Sacco, and again, you know, obviously Steve Parrish came on our show and said they really want to um, do the deal and it all depends. It's got to have a bit of willingness on both sides. And, you know, you can kind of see where that one will, would go because Liverpool have their asking price, which is reported as 30 million quid. We're not going to pay 30 million quid. You know, there's a value I'm sure we would pay. And we'll wait and see if we can get him for that. Um, if someone else comes in and pay more, I think we lose that transfer. And if we get down to, you know, the deadline deadline day again, he's not gone anywhere else. Liverpool don't want him. They won't sell him to us for the money we're, we're going to offer. Again, maybe we'll do a deal for a loan. You never know. But um, that's going to that's gonna run and run that one. I'm not expecting him to, to turn up with a new home shirt on in the next couple of days, I don't think. <laughs> There we go. I'm I'm for any loan uh Nick and uh Chris, not from Chelsea. I'm done with that club. <laughs> the loans are terrible. Particularly strikers. <laughs> Particularly strikers, exactly. Well, he has, was bad. You'd, you'd rather get them from Sorry, yeah, from there was too many people speaking at once there. Um Bamford, what did what did you say, that, Ed? That's sarcasm. That was not me. <laughs> it was Dion. <laughs> 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 Dion, what did you say? Oh, to ignore it. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a joke. To me. It was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I said Bamford wasn't bad. No, it was yeah. terrible. It wasn't bad. Bad would be generous. Oh, my God. Just Can we just bad. remember for a moment, though, when he played against us that time, it was rubbish. That would, That's one of my favourite Palace moments, just how useless he was. And we were all worried he's going to score, isn't he? He's going to score against us, of all people. But he was so around, bad. Then around four seconds, it was apparent he was never going to score. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, he was smashed. It was just lucky to be on the pitch. And then we, he didn't even make a mistake for us to score from as well. 
was his falling attempt to defend, I think. But um, good times, eh? Good times. <laughs> we have some good times. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we've we've talked a, a fair bit about Frank De Boer, and obviously we'll be, you know, in the in the coming weeks, months, and and season. Sure, we'll be talking a lot more about our new manager and, and how he's getting on and the philosophy and whether that's working in. Obviously, excited to see what he does transfer-wise over the next couple of couple of months. But obviously, we do need a fair amount of work on that squad. And I believe the team report for training on um is it on Friday? I think Paris said. Yeah. yeah so um, you know, the work will begin in earnest to assess that squad for him. I think. Um. So yeah, be good. Good to see what happens. Very very excited. Um, and I hope most people are. There will be some out there who are. Dear, I'll be there at the ground to meet him with his one shoe. <laughs> we can <laughs> Dale, you yeah. want to ask a question there before we before we go any further? And I think it relates to the fact that the people report back to training on Friday. Yeah, um, Steve Mandanda, what's going to happen with him? There's been reports that he wants to leave. Um, Steve Parrish, he did say that oh, he's a top professional and he could come, but we will see on Friday. He wasn't certain that Steve Mandanda was going to come. So what's the situation there? Do we keep Steve Mandanda or I, I, do we send him? I think, I think Parrish's comments were very sort of tongue-in-cheek. I, I believe Mandanda's been quoted in the French press as saying, French press? That's uh, like when you make coffee, isn't it? Anyway, the French press um, <laughs> about, <laughs> about saying that it just simply wasn't true, that he will be reporting for training as a Crystal Palace player. Um you know, and I think that's probably the end of it. It's quite odd because it was, um, although it was the Sun, and no one should ever read that paper. Um, it was Palace fan Neil Ashton that wrote the story, and generally speaking, you know, he, he's he's accurate with his information. So you kind of feared the worst, really, and and it wouldn't have been a surprise, I suppose, in some ways, because you know, if I had Wayne Hennessy keeping me out of the team, I'd want to leave as well. <laughs> um, that was a joke, sort of. It no, it wasn't a joke. a joke. It was. It wasn't a joke. <laughs> but, but in all in all seriousness, um, you know, there's been various comments about why he hasn't been picked, and a lot of it's been suggested that he wants to leave. As I understand it, the guy joined us, played a bit, had an injury, um, family weren't with him, became unsettled. We let him have a break, came back, tried to get in the side, wasn't able to get in the side. You know, that's I think that's as much as. As there is to it, you know. I don't think there's lots of people claiming they've got inside knowledge of this sort of. He's like some kind of Machiavellian character who's trying to cause problems. Why did I attempt that word? Honestly, I've had no sleep. I've only come from work and I tried the word Machiavellian twice. Um, but the, you know, he he is quite clearly a very very good goalkeeper with a great reputation. We just haven't seen it for Palace, and you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if. If he gets another manager, assess him, and and he gives it another go at Palace. Um, by all accounts, Marseille won him back, but weren't prepared to meet our um, nine million euro asking price. Again, it's in the, reported in the press. You don't know how true it is, but um, yeah, it's a good question, dear. I, I suppose it remains to be seen. But he's <laughs> every player has a clean slate, right? 
Yeah, it will, so we'll see. But um, there's also been some fans that are going against Steve. They've been saying that um, he wasn't all that, even though he came against Burnley, conceded, not, not only against Burnley, I forgot against who, but he's conceded sloppy goals. Do we really want him back? I want to ask everyone here, what do we think of Steve? Do, would you rather have him or should we keep Hennessy or should we go to um, and try to get another goalkeeper? Yeah, I think, Patrick, we won't need to ask for that. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, don't ask me. Move along. <laughs> it can't be a serious question. Hennessy yeah. versus who again? Mandanda. Mandanda. Or yeah, should we go uh, and get a new manager? Oh. New, uh, manager. new manager, I yeah. mean new goalkeeper. Yeah, what, I would, what do you think? Do we I, I, Mandanda? I'd have oh. no problem with Mandanda if he was healthy and into it. Uh, I'd take any other goalie over the one we currently have. Any goalie over the one we currently have. Ed? Uh, yeah, I think it's either... If Mandunda's fit and his head's in the right place and he's wanting to put everything into the club, then from what I saw of him, he did look like a quality goalkeeper and certainly better than um, Mr. Hennessy. If it's not going to be Mondunda and he, we're going to, he's going to go back to France, we're going to get a few quid for him, then we need to go into the market and look for another goalkeeper because what we had in between the sticks last year wasn't good enough. Yeah, it's interesting. I was watching the the highlights of the Arsenal game back the other day. Someone had posted them on a conversation on the BBS, and and I and I thought, oh, you know, it's worth, worth a watch. That was a great game, you know. And Hennessy had a, a, a terrific game in that in that game, and I sort of almost sort of thought to myself, you know, I really maybe I've been so I've been so unfair getting on getting on his back like a lot of the, lot of the, you know the fans, and then I remembered it is it's the two or three good games a season, and the rest where you know we. Again, it's a confidence thing. We don't have the confidence, and whether we can ever get over that, I'm not. I'm not so sure. Uh, Nick, you're making noises. Do you want to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say I, I'm not sure. I've seen enough of Mondondo to know whether did he keep a clean sheet while he, when he played for. His I don't last think he did. No, that's the, that's that's an interesting point. I don't think he did. Yeah, that's why I was asking because sometimes. Um, so. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's he's an escaped goat. Whatever he does now, Hennessy. Um, he he had quite a few clean sheets towards the end of the season. Um, he is the best we've got at the moment because he's he's got the games behind him. Um, oh, I'm not sure God. why Spirone is still there. To be honest, new contract. It was all. Yeah, it, it was it was said last year. Um, last year that that the goalkeeping yeah. coach and, and manager felt that he was a legitimate option at this level still, and and you know and could have played if needed. So. You know, I'm, I'm glad he's still there, you know, obviously. Yeah, like, I am most... as well, but I don't know how much his sentimentality and, and rewarding the bloke for, for being here for, for so long. Um, but who else is out there? Pickford, has he gone from... from yeah, he Sunderland? went to Everton for a huge sum of money. 20 um, million, I think. Yeah. 30, he's worth yeah. it. Willie Caballero's available still, isn't he? Oh. I think so, yeah. Yeah, but come on, let's be really sick. He's yeah. better than Hennessy. Joe Hart. Thank you, guys, guys, let's not all um, let's not all fall out talking about Wayne Hennessy that we did. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was there was quite a lot on the list to talk about. We've now got less than a minute to talk about it all. So well done, everybody. Um, We have a a new sponsor. um, It's Manbet X. Manbet X. So I immediately assumed it was a betting company, but Googling them, I can't really see. So I guess they're getting enough exposure. Some is a company from the Philippines. There's some kind of their sort of Twitter accounts is something about social sports data or something like that. 
interesting. <laughs> um, but the logo there's, doesn't um, look too bad on the new away shirt. There's there's 17 pages on a thread about it on the BBS, and nobody still knows what it is. So hopefully we'll find out soon. <laughs> but but try the, saying um, "Man Bet X" in a um, South African accent. Oh, you you like, keep uh, telling me to do that, and I won't. I will try that off air, and then. No, I was saying it to the right. listeners. To the listeners. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm doing no right. <laughs> I like the way you gave them time to do it there, Chris. It was very I did, yeah, mate. I'm a pro, yeah. Um, so uh, very, very quick. New away shirt came out um, today. I think I think we're going to just do a quick straw poll. Do you like it, Nick? I love it. Do you like it, Dr? Five out of ten. Oh, mean. Do you like it, Patrick? Yeah, anything with black in it is a great shirt. I love it. Do you like it, Ed? Yeah, it's growing on me. There you go. Scientific approach. Oh, do you like it, Chris? Yes, it's quite good. quite like it. <laughs> I don't like the logo. It wasn't, wasn't what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> I do like very much like the new home kit, though. That's extremely nice. Yeah. Um, we won't bother talking about last season. We've talked quite a lot about what we're expecting for next season. In fact, we've talked about both already. So well done, everybody. Um, <laughs> absolutely seamless. Um, so come, um, I don't know. Tom's given me a reminder, but I've got into a position where I don't know if it's a clip he's going to play for, to, to tease something or I'm teasing it. Uh, it's not a clip. We've established <laughs> that. That's good. I did it in such a way that I was talking so as to not create dead air. That was quite clever of me. Um, but next, the way, next chord. The way it's written, don't forget high money tease. It looks like a song by song, a band yeah, yeah, in the charts. That's their third anyway. single. It's a visual joke for an audio medium, an oral medium. Uh, anyway, uh, next next week, um, as a little bonus, we'll be releasing a uh, fairly extensive idiot. Idio? What's an idio? I've gone mad. Oh, my Nick, gosh. Nick, can you help me? We, uh, Jell and I interviewed High Money. We weren't safe in the league. We had a little bit of a chat about that. But she gave us loads and loads. We we. She was almost Mark Bright-esque in her inability to stop talking. It was great. And um, for listeners who are too young or just don't know who High Money is, can you tell them? Are we going to say who Jelly is then? <laughs> <laughs> no one exactly knows who Jelly is. Come uh, she's the uh, palace photographer, one of the first, I think she was the first woman photographer, sports photographer, and she talks a little bit about um, the world of sports photography and how she was treated by all the uh, male photographers and uh, had a tough battle to, to the top, and she had a lot of front. Yeah, uh, and one of the very best Palace books is uh, High on Palace, isn't it? Yeah. L-H-Y on Palace. Excellent, excellent book. Some fantastic pictures. If you love your Palace history, and if you don't, well, you should, because it's all we talk about when we get old. It's all good. Which is my birthday, Thursday. 37, can you believe it? I was a child when I started doing this. Blimey. Yeah. Was a child? Well, you. You're a child. No, no, no. You was definitely isn't. <laughs> you're definitely not seventeen. No, you're like I was, thirty. Yeah, I was about thirty. Just I think just before I was thirty, it was. But... Are we going to fade this bit out on the podcast? I we think we should. There's some sad music over it as I start to get depressed. <laughs> about old. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much to everyone who's listened to this, and uh, those of you who are you know downloading the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it as well. 
Uh, he could have listened live and made us feel a bit better and interacted. But I forgot to look at Twitter for quite a lot of the show as well. So apologies if any of you did get in touch. Um, but, yeah, cheers to uh, to Nick, to DR, to Ed and to Patrick. And also to Mr. Tom Fancit for producing. Uh, do enjoy the interview with High Money that we'll be releasing next week as a bonus podcast. Um, and we'll be back doing bits throughout pre-season uh, before we return properly uh, for our first show. Um, there'll be a preview show, I think, to kick things off, I guess, uh, as we preview our first game of the season. Who's that against, Nick? You remember, right? Uh, Maidstone United. Oh, that's a pre-season game. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the Terriers. I it saw their against... crew on Twitter. Did you see um, their crew they, on Twitter? I did. They look mean. They look mean. <laughs> so I'm sure Terrence will be previewing that as our, our first probably major, major show of the new season. Getting very, very close. It won't be that long until we're uh, immersed in a world of football again. Thank you so much. Speak to you soon. Bye now. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.